Welcome to the Catch the Fire London podcast. We hope and pray you'll encounter God as you listen to this message. We have the privilege of FC Davison right now. So Father, we just want to thank you for this daughter. Daughter of yours, daughter of the house. We thank you for a life laid down. We thank you for someone who knows your heart and your voice. And we ask that you would bless her as she blesses us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Hi, everybody. Ah, all right. Let's move this over. Glamorous, isn't it? <laughs> right. So we have the joy of learning um, about Palm Sunday today. And I just want to start off by reading from the Bible. Let's, let's get some good foundations going on. Um, so if you want to turn with me to Matthew 21. Um, oh, where will I start from? I'm going to go from verse 6. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay, so the two disciples went on ahead and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and her colt to him and placed their cloaks and prayer shawls on the colt, and Jesus rode on it. Then an exceptionally large crowd gathered and carpeted the road before him with their cloak and prayer shawls. Others cut down branches from trees to spread in his path. Jesus rode in the center of the procession, crowds going before him and crowds coming behind him. And they all shouted, bring the victory, Lord, son of David. He comes with the blessings of being sent from the Lord Yahweh. We celebrate with praises to God in the highest. And as Jesus entered Jerusalem, the people went wild with excitement. The entire city was thrown into an uproar. And some asked, who is this man? And the crowds shouted back, this is Jesus. He's the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. It then goes on as Jesus is in the temple. And at the end of it, we see... uh, The chief priests and religious scholars heard the children shouting and saw all the wonderful miracles of healing, and they were furious. They said to Jesus, don't you hear what these children are saying? This is not right. I'm just going to stop there. bit random, but I'm going to stop there. So there in this short verse kind of span, we can see that there are many reactions to Jesus as he enters Jerusalem. There were those who lay their cloaks down for Jesus to walk upon. There were people who grabbed palm branches from around and they waved them at him. They were hailing him king. They were proclaiming him as king as he came in. There were those that had such excitement bubbling up within themselves that they were running about wild with excitement and elation. There was an uproar in the city. There was a city that was turned almost chaotic in a good way. And there was the crying out for victory. There were those people who were just compelled as they saw him to go, Jesus, bring us victory in this time. Bring us victory. Bring us your kingship. Bring us your victory, your freedom. And there were those that doubted and had disbelief and anger at who Jesus was and what he was doing. And so I want to just walk through the different responses with you today. And I just want you to just reflect. When Jesus walks into the room, how is it that you respond to him? Who are you in this story? 
You know, are there many aspects or part of you in this story even? Are there parts where you're like, well, sometimes I see myself and I'm like this person when Jesus is in the walks in the room, but then sometimes I'm like this person and sometimes I'm like this response. You know, we're not always one way reacting and responding. We can be many depending on our situations, our emotions, our journey, our healing, our experience. And so with those who lay their robes down, they put their cloaks down on the ground as Jesus walked across. You know, it's a dusty road, there's mud, there's probably animal poop and other bits going on if you're riding on donkeys. And so they wanted to acknowledge and just lay their cloaks down before Jesus so that as he entered in, he would enter upon the cloaks that they were riding and not have to tread in the dust. You know, the robe represents power and position. We sang about it just before in Isaiah 6.1. It says, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Jesus' robe is, is literally massive. It is huge. It fills up the whole chamber of the throne room of God. And I imagine the throne room of God is not a small one. You know, when we're looking at scales of palaces, I imagine it beats like Windsor Castle. It beats Buckingham Palace. It beats all those. You know, it goes bigger and bigger because he is the glorious king of kings, right? And so that means that if his robe is filling the temple, it also must be massive to fill that space. And there's a little bit of history here for you. When nations went to war, what would happen is when a king defeated another king, what he would do is he would take the defeated king's robe and his cloak that he was wearing in battle, and he would have it sewn upon his own cloak. And what that meant was that the king who had been victorious, his robe would be extended his robe would grow as he defeated places, as he conquered places, as kingdoms came into his own kingdom, we would see the robes and the cloaks come upon him and his own would grow and grow. It was the symbol of victory, a symbol of triumph when you saw this king enter into the room, enter into the battlefield. He would be declaring, this is my legacy. This is what I have won. These are the battles that I have triumphed in. These are the kingdoms that have come into my own kingdom. Jesus is the all-conquering king. He boasts of victories as he displays his train in the temple. And the temple he resides in is the temple that he is king of. And we have the privilege and the honor of being the temple of the living God. And if we are the temple of the living God, then his robe fills us. His victory fills us. And we become every part of his kingdom and every part of his kingdom comes to live in us. Every part of his triumph, every part of his goodness, every part of that he has conquered, that he has won, when he rose in resurrection life, we now get to be part of and have freedom in, in us. I had a picture as I was reading this about people laying down their cloaks and giving them to Jesus to add on to his robe. 
That is effectively what we do when we give our lives to Jesus, when we offer up our lives to his salvation. We say, I take my cloak off. I take off um, who I am and I give it to you. I add my cloak to yours that I would become one with you and that you would be my conqueror, that you would be my salvation, that you would be my king, that you would be my Lord. And those in the Bible uh, that we see laying their robes and their cloaks down before Jesus, they are laying down their power, position, their status, the stuff that covers them, their covering um, of their security. They are laying down their land before him. They are laying it down in deference to the King Jesus. It is a display of the recognition of his sovereignty. And they are humbling themselves in doing this to Jesus being their King of Kings. There were those next who we come across who were in uproar. There was an uproar and an excitement within them that exploded and burst throughout the land, that they had a joy and an elation that could not be contained within them when his presence came before them and when they entered into his midst. It was wild and free. Hi, Baba. I'm talking, Anna. Yes. I know, you want the microphone, don't you? (laughs) So there were chains in this moment. Do you want to come up here with me? Come up, hon. Oh, here we go, here we go. Do you want to say hello? Hello. Oh, well done, sweetie. That's very good. Um, What else? I Lovely. (laughs) Your baby brother, yes. They were catapulted into a place of abandoned worship where it couldn't be contained. Ooh, love you. (laughs) Uh, That's why we love kids. (laughs) Um, But these people who were in uproar, they were catapulted into this excitement, this this bubbling up within them that they could not contain, this, this elation that was coming over them. And it was described in the Bible as if there was an earthquake in the city. And when there is an earthquake, what it does is it shakes and it breaks down things. It it makes things tumble. So the things in their hearts that were were um, barriers, the things in their hearts that were holding them down and the chains that were holding them were loosened. They were broken so that they could rise up in this, in this unex, this unequivocal elation and joy and run about proclaiming the good news of Jesus. They proclaimed it from the rooftops. They proclaimed it from wherever they went. You know, this is like when we see the lady at the well, right? And when we see the lepers, there was something upon them where the lady in the well was just, her life was dramatically changed by this one encounter with Jesus. And she was in such a good disarray from it that she went running home and she she told her husband, she told the town and everybody who she met, she was like, this is Jesus. He is the king. He is the Messiah. He knows me. He he changed me. He, he understands me. The lepers, when they were healed, Jesus said, don't go tell anyone. And what did they go? They went and told people because <laughs> they weren't being obedient. Yikes. But there was something within them that just caused this, this pop, this uproar of excitement within them. And uproar, what it does is it shakes the nations and it causes reformation and revival. We see it in the Wesley brothers, the Salvation Army, and even in the Outer Hebrides revival, where there was a group um, of, of 
um, individual was sat in a room crying out to the Lord, give us clean hands and a pure heart. And what happened is at 3 a.m. when they left, there was a, the town flooded of people coming out onto the streets that had been woken by the Holy Spirit in repentance for, for, for their lives. And there was revival and reformation because of this uproar and this excitement where the earthquake comes and shakes things. There were people who were crying out for victory. Bring the victory, Lord, son of David. The crowds expected Jesus to immediately overthrow the Roman oppressors and set them free. They had been in a place of oppression and lordship over them that they did not want, that they were they. They were knowing that they were supposed to be a nation set in freedom and living in their own own rights and ways and their own customs. But at that time, that did not look like that. And they were crying out in, you know, in, in some aspect, a good way, Jesus, bring us victory. You know, that, that was their heart. That was what they wanted. And we all want victory. We all want to see um, freedom in our lives. But what the people in this moment failed to see is that they craved the victory before the cross. The cross had not come yet. They were crying out for victory before resurrection, before salvation, before, before what Jesus was going was gonna to do. They wanted its freedom first and its promise and its fruits, but they lacked the clarity and understanding to see that victory comes after resurrection. They wanted victory in haste without understanding the process, the sacrifice, the blessing of sacrifice, the power of the blood they had not experienced yet, they did not know. They wanted, they wanted things without the right timing and without understanding the fulfillment of prophecy. And so, yes, well, it was good that they were wanting freedom and that, yes, Jesus was going to bring them victory. They were crying out for it without the full understanding of the cross. And without the cross, it couldn't be complete. It couldn't be as they wanted it. They wanted the outcome without the sacrifice. They hadn't understood because they had not yet seen the sacrifice that Jesus was about to make the power of the sacrifice that Jesus was about to make. They were wanting freedom from oppression, but rushing on without the cross, without trusting in Jesus and without trusting in his method and his process. How many times are we like this, where we cry out for victory in our lives, where we cry out for freedom, but we go on and we rush on in haste without seeing the fulfillment of the cross and the resurrection from the cross in our lives. And what about our own sacrifice? What is an offering without sacrifice? You know, we say it often here, you know, a sacrifice has to cost something. It has to mean something to you. Otherwise, it is not a sacrifice by definition. And we must not belittle or minimize the cross or try to gain freedom without it or without Jesus. This is what these people were trying to do. They didn't understand the fullness of who Jesus was and what he was going to do. And then we see the doubters, don't we? We see the Pharisees. And I know here most people 
believe in Jesus. Most people have a faith and a salvation in him and, and a relationship with him. But are there any parts of us that doubt the fullness of his supremacy? His authority, his power, his salvation, his divine nature? You know, sometimes we can, we can know that, yes, we believe in Jesus and we know he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But is there something little in your heart that says, mm, but can he do all this? Can he really bring salvation to my family who don't yet know him? Can he really heal me of this disease? Does he really have the authority to stop this war? Do they re does he really have the authority to, to bring in money for me this month when I have nothing in my bank account? Jesus did not match up to how the Pharisees expected him to come. So they did not recognize him when he came. He came to save souls. He came for the people. He came for the masses, not just the few. He came for the sinners, not just the righteous. And so even if we have good expectations of who Jesus is, it will not match up to the fullness of Jesus because he is bigger than we could ever comprehend, bigger than we could ever imagine. He has more supremacy and divinity and authority and power and position and majesty and might than we could ever think. And so we don't want to box him in with the limitations of our own understanding in case we actually miss him when he does something. You know, it's a challenge to us all to keep expanding our understanding of him, keep growing in revelation of him because there's always more. It's always growing. It's always developing as we come into greater relationship with him, as we spend more time with him. And, you know, I remember when I first became a Christian and I had revelation of who he was. But now 10 years on, I have different revelation of who he is and my view of what he could do in, in you know, now is so much more and so much greater than what he could do when I first met him 10 years ago. And if I would have stayed in that place, I would have missed everything. And my, my understanding and relationship with him would be different. My, uh, my understanding of who he is and his power and his might would be different. We don't want to miss him. And that's what the, the doubters essentially did. They missed who he was because they had expectations of what they thought he should look like. And so we're going to do a little bit of ministry this morning. And so if you would come and kindly either stand with me or position yourself in your hearts. Some people might want to kneel. Some people, yeah, might want to move out into some space. Whatever it is that you feel that the Lord is just saying to you right now. Some of you might want to bow your head. Some of you might want to lift your head. Some people might want to put a hand on your heart. Lord Jesus, I just ask that you come into the room again. And Lord, that we would not miss you. 
Lord, that you would open our eyes right now to who you are. And Holy Spirit, would you just draw near? And as you just focus your gaze upon Jesus, as you fix your eyes upon him, going to be a time for you to meditate with him about what would your response be when he walks into the room if you were one of those people on Palm Sunday and he showed up what would your response and reaction be As I was preparing, I felt some of you might need to give Jesus your robe. Some of you might need to hand it over. You know, sometimes we we give it over, but we, we hold on to the hem. Just in case, right? just in case the, the promise doesn't look like we thought it would. Just in case it all gets a little bit too out of control and we need to run. I felt the Lord say, it's time to let go of that hem. to fully dive in so I can be victorious in your land so I can be victorious in your life in every part let him sew your robe to his let him be fully the king of kings I felt that some needed more, more of that uproar, more of that excitement, more of that elation. That there's going to be an unlocking of your heart as you listen to him right now. And I felt that even some people had some ungodly beliefs of, but I'm not wired like that. I'm not someone who jumps up and down. I'm not someone who gets excited. I'm not someone who's emotional and little bunny ears. Lord, would you come and get rid of any ungodly beliefs right now that people may hold, that you would speak the truth as to who they are that you would put inside them a fire that would burn deep and bright, that would burn true, that it would burn. Yeah, I even saw blue flames right now. Hot, 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 hot flames that don't even have any smoke because they are so hot that it is just this white, blue flame of light. 
come and stir the embers, God, that we would burn with uproar to see this city shaken for you, that we would see an earthquake of revival, reformation, that we would first see a change in us. And are any of you there who may doubt his supremacy? Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, that you need him to reveal himself more in this way. Why don't you just ask him if that's you? Reveal your authority and power, Christ. Reveal your supremacy. places where you've wanted freedom without the cross or before the cross before resurrection where you have gone on hastily in your own might in your own will without him not waiting for Jesus but you've crammed and tried and strived and tried to make something happen that's you, why don't you just chat with Jesus right now? Why don't you just say sorry for where you've strived, where you've ran on, and recognize right now that him leading the way is going to be so much better. And if you need strength from him to do that, ask for the strength as well. Because as we sang before, even in the waiting, when you wait on the Lord, strength will come.
those who want to submit their lives to Jesus fully in everything, in every aspect, in each and every way. And Stephen's going to release an impartation of submission, of laying it all down, no matter what the cost, no matter what the sacrifice, no matter what it looks like. If you want to lay it all down and surrender today, recognizing that even there might just be some parts of your heart that you want to give over, why don't you just come to my side over here?
that as we lay things down, we burn even brighter. And as we burn even brighter, we learn how to surrender even more. So Lord, right now, I thank You that there is a double impartation for these people right now. There's a, there is a double impartation over them right now, just to burn brightly and to surrender in every aspect of their life, God. That You would be King, that You would be glorified. robe fill the temple that is your people God